Hey, Gabriel Blake. Hey, Gabriel Jose. Where are we today? Well, we are in our respective apartments, but to be fair, we did visit the Lone Star over the weekend for a socially distanced, well, two beers. We had two beers. Yep, yep. That was as far as we were allowed to go. So, home. That's, that's where we that's are. That's where we are. It's where we are back at. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, what did we watch this time? We, we watched, and I was sure to watch the correct film this week, like mm-hmm. last week. Mm-hmm. Um, we watched the 19, is it 83 vampire mm-hmm. film, The Hunger, directed mm-hmm. by Tony Scott, starring Susan Sarandon, David Bowie, and Catherine Deneuve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's completely accurate. And why did you choose that movie? Because this was your pick. Um, so I love Catherine Deneuve. I do not like David Bowie. I ah. knew of the film's existence, and so I was always kind of wanted to watch it, but David Bowie helped me back. But then <laughs> I read an, a headline like a week ago, two weeks ago, that they're doing a remake with Jennifer Lawrence. And I thought, well, might as well watch the original now since I know I'm going to watch that version. Who's going to be directing that with Jennifer Lawrence? I don't know. I just read the, the, the headline, and I was like, well... I know what we're doing on the podcast. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm surprised because the hunger gaze, that is the main thing that comes up when you look for the hunger, is actually oh, with Jennifer gosh. Lawrence. Wouldn't that be hilarious if I misunderstood the, the headline <laughs> and they were like remaking the hunger games? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, man. But it's like, I'm just telling you. It's like if I look for the hunger, Jennifer Lawrence, what it comes up is the hunger games. Oh, I got this. And it's actually on a website that I used to write for. Yeah. Oh, you used to write for that? Uh-huh. I used to write for We Got This Covered. There's still interviews I did with musicians and filmmakers on that website. That's pretty cool. Um, according to our sources, which are reliable, <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence is being eyed for one of the two female leads to play a couple. I don't know. I don't have time to read this whole article live on the podcast but i don't see the director okay but she's being eyed for playing one of the female okay yeah eyed that's interesting <laughs> okay so there may or may not be uh the hunger remake and jennifer lawrence may or may not be in it correct but the headline okay. got me thinking also when i was searching to find the hunger to stream there's a David Bowie hosted TV show that had at least two seasons called The Hunger. And he like introduced basically shorts that were supposed to be erotic and um, tense. And season two is available on Amazon Prime. So maybe next no. week we just watch the whole, the whole okay. season. Okay. No, uh, I'm surprised about that. I never heard about it. So I started to watch it thinking it was The Hunger. And I was like, this doesn't seem right. Where's Catherine to know? <laughs> Uh, no, no, you're right. I mean, it feels like pretty weird if you will actually direct something with the movie with the movie name. Yeah, Section Method from the 2000. Yeah. 
Huh? Okay, so uh, that's the reason why you pick it up. Uh, let me just do like some summary about it. As you mentioned, it's a vampire movie, but they never say the term vampire. They can walk under the sunlight, so I'm going to be like calling them from this point on vampires. So it's a movie about vampires. Yeah, there's a movie about vampires that uh, Catherine Deneuve is a long-living vampire, like probably from the Egyptian culture. We don't know when she was born, but at least during the Egypt uh, society, she was there. She was probably a pharaoh or something like that. Uh, and she has been exchanging lovers because usually her lovers just last for, I don't know, over 200 years or so. And then from one day to the next, they cannot sleep and feeding doesn't keep them alive. So they, it does keep them alive. It doesn't keep them young and they yeah, have to live. Yeah, so exactly. So that they never really die. They just go into a lethargic, I don't know, decrepit kind of state. So there is a bit of an statement about vampires like beautiful things, beautiful young things. And when they start aging, they no longer love them as so. So uh, basically, uh, Catherine Deneuve uh, is dating or is partner to David Bowie. Uh, there is a French musician right from the Victorian age. Uh, and uh, they, have, they live in an amazing, impossible to assist apartment in New York. With oh, a good apartment porn. Yeah. With a three floor kind of, a, I say, like a distribution. And they have studies from 2000 years old. That is the kind of thing that I thought that is like, okay, if they used to be, if she used to be Egyptian, they live in France for a while too. How does she transport all this kind of stuff without anyone saying anything at all? And she can afford this house. I mean, I've read several of the books from the, um, the author who wrote Interview with a Vampire. She wrote like 10 books and I read like oh, yeah. seven of them. And they talk about, and it kind of makes sense, the plot device is that living so long, you start to generate enormous amounts of wealth. So when you want to move mm. somewhere, you just move like a billionaire. And yeah, like, but okay. it, don't you think that someone would be suspicious about like the amount of you know, like fine art that you own? Well, I mean, the art in her apartment wasn't crazy. You know, like some statues that is pretty clear that they are like from the Greek age or even before that. What do you think is in um, the guy who killed himself in prison recently? His 10-story mansion in New York? Sure, sure, but he's not a vampire. Right, but I'm saying if he owned that much stuff, nobody would bat an eye. She's just a private, reclusive billionaire. Mm. Millionaire. Sure, but I also think uh, Einstein is like, he's like, yeah, he's a bit more of a public figure. Is that now we're talking about a person that is not like, Elon Musk is like, someone that is like extremely secretive. We don't know exactly where their wealth comes from and is that they're moving from one continent to another. They are moving like their wealth from one place to another. And there is no real source of income at all. It's, like, it's just all the income that they had before, but it's, like, it's going to be a bit suspicious, don't you think? I mean, this... I don't think so. I mean, there's, I watched a documentary about like, we know about millionaires and billionaires when they're made because they have to file like documents that make it public. But there's an enormous amount of extremely wealthy people that have just inherited about it and have chosen not mm. to be a Hilton. And we don't know anything about them. They live in these very tight bubbles. They don't leave, you know, their very luxurious lives. It, 
I understand what you're saying. For me, it wasn't a thing. I can understand why for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I get it. I get it. And this is not related to the movie itself. I mean, it was a bit more like a, a side topic. So, in any case, going back to this, uh, Catherine Deneuve uh, is dating, well, is partner to David Bowie. Their only source of income is basically giving music lessons to a 13-year-old uh, neighbor girl. Across the street. Uh, across the street, you know, in New York. Uh and they like to play music, and as any other good vampire, they will feed from people that they find around. Is that I'm not completely sure if they bite into them because they have some ankh shape pendants that they are actually knives that they actually stuff people and drink their blood. So there is no like fun per se. There is a point that they actually saw Susan Sarandon later, like with some uh, marks. Yeah, on her, on the air. in her elbow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, like, it's not completely clear if they bite each other or not. In any case, uh, David Bowie is suffering from this condition, so he's not sleeping. He can feed, but it's like he's aging pretty quickly. And they randomly find that Susan Sarandon has uh, works in a clinic that they are trying to investigate uh, degenerative cases about monks, sorry, like monkeys, uh, aging really, really fast. Yeah, and they talk about age being a disease, and they're trying to cure that disease, which is just exactly. very, very convenient that these two worlds Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, it's like, oh, you have a 200-year-old lover that is aging right now? Maybe I can help you with that. So uh, basically, uh, Catherine Deneuve goes to visit her. There is no resolution there, but then the people we goes to visit her, and... Uh, she keeps, I mean, sorry, she keeps him waiting for five hours and he basically ages 50 years during that time. And now she believes him. And uh, at that point, it's already too late because David Bowie actually uh, feed Frenzy. He actually kills the neighborhood girl. The one the, friend they had that the was so cool. I like that girl. Yeah, that girl was cool. But uh, she kills her and it doesn't change the fact that she's aging really, really fast. So basically, see, he ages too old, he becomes unconscious. Uh, Catherine Deneuve uh, packs him in a coffin <laughs> with the rest of the lovers, <laughs> just he's accumulating and carrying over from one place to another. And then, with the shortest grieving period that I ever seen in my life, she actually starts to seduce Susan Sarno for just being her nice level. And, uh, you know, that's probably, like, it actually drives to one of the most explicit lesbian scenes that I could imagine that happened on the 80s. Yeah, that really surprised me. I was like, yeah. wow. The funny thing is that I watched this movie many years ago, and the only thing that I remember is that David Bowie becomes all really, really fast. And at the end, all the lovers, spoiler alert, comes back to life, haunts Catherine in the neck, and she falls off the stairs. I yeah. remember that part. So that's basically what happens. is like a... She basically tricks uh, Susan Sarandon into being with her, and it becomes like some kind of drag from the perspective that Susan Sarandon doesn't love Catherine Deneuve, but at the same time, she needs to be with her. Right. Yep. And Susan Sarandon chooses like the eternal death committing suicide, and uh, then at that point, for some random reason, all the lovers come back, hunt Catherine Deneuve, Catherine Deneuve falls off a cliff, well, falls off the, of the stairs, and she goes crazy, ages 2,000 years in 30 seconds. Uh, and that's it. No, 
because actually then there is like a 30 second scene where Susan Sarandon is sung in a building somewhere that looks like it may be London. Florence. Oh, it's Florence? Yeah. But so I couldn't actually go for me. All of the lovers, so when they came back to animated, I think that they all fed from her, and so they became young again. So that's why David Bowie and Susan Sarandon were in an apartment together in some European city that I think is Florence. Uh, yeah, I thought it was London, but I thought it was the big It could be. be I just assumed it was Florence because she talks about living in Florence. So. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Honestly, when I watched it the first time, I didn't like it. You know, and I probably, now? probably this was like 15, 20 years ago. And now I didn't <laughs> like it at all. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I thought that this is directed by Tony Scott, that is the brother of uh, Ridley Scott, and I think that probably his most famous movie is Top Gun. Um, I mean, Man on Fire was a huge deal. Top Gun is iconic, but Man on Fire was a big deal. Um, gotcha. I never watched it. Uh, oh, True Romance. True Romance. That's true. True Romance. The Taking of Pelham One Two Three was pretty big. I, yeah. my, I personally liked Domino, but I was in love with Kieran Knightley at the time. But Spy Game is my favorite. Oh, you see, I went to the cinema to watch that. I wasn't a fan. You're not you a fan? Refer? No, I wasn't. I, I fucking love that movie. <laughs> okay. I wasn't a fan. I was just thinking, like, why is Robert Ruffer pretending that he's only 50 going ski sagdy already? <laughs> and I think The Last Boy Scout was also a big deal. Days of Thunder. Oh, oh that was his? Yeah. I mean, he's... He's pretty prolific. Like he'll never be Ridley considered like Ridley Scott, but I mean, he definitely made his mark. Yeah, I can see that he's pretty eighties. That he has like a good feeling about like classy eighties, you know, not about like just being over the top eighties. Like uh, how do you say uh, the Lost Boys, you know, like uh, Schumacher, but uh, Schumacher, but. I, I couldn't connect with the movie, honestly. It's like I just felt like sometimes it was like really gory, then there were no like really like character development. It's like I understand the perspective of uh, Susan Sarandon is trapping something against her will, and that's why he commits why she commits suicide. But then the last thirty seconds when they actually see this scene on the uh, on Florence, London, wherever that is, I was just wondering, like, why is that there? And I actually just check online. And it looks that there was a, a studio cut that they forced to have a second ending from the perspective of maybe one day making a sequel. Oh. Yeah. But it's like even David Bowie and uh, Catherine Deneuve and Susan Sarandon, they say that, like, yeah, that ending makes no sense. And actually waters down what is like, the uh, message of the movie. Yeah, I, I think... I was frustrated that there were like not the vampire rules, which is what makes vampires fun, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like when Susan Sarandon becomes a vampire and Catherine Deneuve says, you can never die. Like everything is going to be great. You'll stay forever young. And then immediately she kills herself by stabbing herself in the neck. And I was like, that's not how vampires work. It does. Yeah. And they could walk in the light and I couldn't stand how all of the rooms were filled with smoke at all times. They were dark and smoky. Like, I just wanted to see the apartment. 
Just show me the apartment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I had, you know what I was actually thinking about when I was watching like the cinematography? I was thinking of the uh, Total Eclipse of the Heart video clip. I don't know it. The one that is, uh, what is the name of the, uh, of the girl? Um, I mean, I know the it, song, but I don't know the... Yeah, the band is Bonnie Tyler. So she's basically just walking around a building and everything is like or extremely dark or extremely smoky. So Why? you cannot see exactly what is going on in the building. It's like, okay, I'm going to imagine everything else, but it almost feels like there is nothing. This is at the dullest warehouse that you could find and you're just trying to just fool me into thinking there is a house. I just, I, I understand that he was most likely trying to build atmosphere, but I think mostly he failed. There was no atmosphere in that movie. And um, yeah, the character development, I, I thought the movie, the main plot was going to start when um, Susan Sarandon becomes a vampire, but I checked the time on the movie and I was like, there's 20 minutes left? What? Yep. Nothing has happened. And, and also, David, David Bowie was supposed to be 30 in that. He looked like he was 55, at least. But I had a feeling that he looked like he was 55 for at least 60 years of his life. I just... So uh, the only review I read was the New York Times, and it was actually pretty favorable in that this was all style and no substance. And he said, the clothes are impossibly fashionable, everything is gorgeous, and Tony Scott made those luxury, like, perfume commercials like David Lynch did. Yeah. So, like, understanding that he's all about visuals and... Um, that's fine with me, but I just thought the story was a little stupid. The the thing that makes vampires fun was taken away. The yeah. the lesbian sex scene was actually refreshing. I was like, wow, that's super oh, impressive for 1983. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm sorry, but it's like I felt... I told you about this movie that I watched on a, a couple of months ago that it was called Liquid Sky from 1982 that I was telling you that this is pretty trashy. But at the same time, it's super 80s. You know, it's like it just captures completely the atmosphere. Uh, I mean, I didn't live in New York on the 80s, but it's like it feels authentic. It feels refreshing. And it's extremely low budget. It's like this felt like what a studio would do with Liquid Sky. Liquid Sky. <laughs> that is like, it's, everything is like just by the book. about like, Okay, this is going to be edgy, but not too much. The only thing that is edgy is seeing Susan Sarandos' tits. And Catherine Deneuve's tits. Did they show hers? I thought that it was only... I thought uh... so. Okay. Yeah, maybe um, I cannot tell them apart. <laughs> they all look the same to us. Yeah. Almost. Um, so, I guess what I thought... I mean, I had seen the trailer, and it was just, why do they keep having that reverb with David Bowie's yell, like his shout, and it's like, what are you going to... Oh, <laughs> What I was surprised that I have forgotten is that David Bowie is only there for the first, sorry, for the first thirty movie minutes of the movie, and then he basically disappears until the end. I thought what I was getting into was a nineteen eighties version of Only Lovers Left Alive, and you and I feel very differently about Jim Jarmusch, but you cannot deny that that film didn't have a shit ton of style. It was cool. Yeah, it was. It was, cool it, was, it was a cool. It was a cool music video, but the thing is that this. Even if I think about the 80s, I don't find it cool. Yeah, that's my point. Is I thought yeah. I was going to get the 80s version, and this just lacked anything. Yep. And Catherine Deneuve is so good. She can carry an entire movie on her performance, and she was given nothing to do. Yeah, 
I mean, Susan Sarandon, I don't, sorry, Susan Sarandon, I don't think that she's bad. You know, but if I had to finish, like, if I were to read this script, I would be running away. There is this scene when she goes, Susan Sarandon goes to visit uh, Catherine Deneuve to the house when she's drinking the sherry at the beginning before she drops uh, some wine, wine blood on her blouse with probably like, some of the hardest nipples that I've ever seen in any movie. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and at the point when she's actually just sitting, you know, on the chair like this, you know, with the leg like this, I was like, hmm, so is this like this very accomplished doctor that is going to be like visit a random patient and is this going to be like just pulling her leg up, you know, around here? It's like, no, everything was like a bit cringe worthy. See, that scene when she goes to Catherine's house for the first time, I thought it had so much potential. Like you could tell yeah. Susan Sarandon was being controlled and she was being kind of slutty. And yeah. And she actually called out, are you making a pass at me? Like, I just found this is the moment where everything is going to have a payoff. And then it was just so disappointing. Yeah, no, it's look, I thought that it was bad. Sorry. I thought that it was nothing special when I watched it the first time. I didn't realize how, but it was back then. I thought it was like, yeah, you know, this is famous, so maybe I didn't get it. It was basically the same thing as when I watched The Servant that we discussed. That is, like when I watched it the first time, okay, this is good. And I realized that it was good for other reasons, not only the ones that I appreciated back then. This is the other way around. At that point, I thought it was like, this may be okay, but maybe I don't get it. And now it's like, no, this is, this is not okay. It's just bad. Yeah. Yes. I was... I realized that I didn't read any reviews before the film. Uh, yeah. And I don't know why I had this idea that it was like a cult classic um, and good. It was not. Although the New York Times did seem to appreciate it. But look, the, the interesting part is like uh, the New York Times, for example, about the Lost Boys can say that it's like it's a timely piece. No, it was about the Lost Boys when they say that. That is, a, it's not a timeless piece, but it's a timely piece. With this one, is like it's not even that. It's like it's, it's, look, there is there is nothing in the aesthetic. I don't think there is like a fully accomplished '80s aesthetic because you are like just jumping around. When you actually go into uh, the story, I don't think that there is even like congruence to what you are saying in here, and there is no like real message that I want to keep. For example, when you mention uh, "Only Lovers Left Alive." I think that then being vampires has like a higher meaning. On this case, being vampires, it doesn't matter. Honestly, it's like, oh yeah, she changes lovers from time to time. It's like, yeah, but she could actually be changing lovers every two years. And you could almost tell like, the same story. I also got very annoyed when um, Catherine Deneuve could sense that Susan Sarandon was going to be hit by a truck blocks away and somehow was met, like, able to control things. <sighs> And if they had developed that, like this is one of their capabilities, sure. But it's just like, okay, you want them to be quote unquote vampires. You're not going to stick to any rules. You're not going to ex explore any. It was just, I was like, oh. yeah, no. It's like it doesn't do like a good job of uh, world building. Yes. They could actually could have yes. invested. Yeah, they could have invested a bit more into. Okay, this is what vampires are. Is mm -hmm. that's the reason why they are different from the kind of. Uh, I don't know, like other media that you know with vampires. But no, he said, no, this is it. I'm not going to be like calling them anything. They drink blood and they live forever. 
did you understand why when he attacked the woman on her roller skates? Why oh, it was a woman? And, I thought it was a was guy. It, was it a man? I, don't know. <laughs> I thought it was. It was the 80s. He was very androgynous. Yeah. <laughs> but why did he? Why did he run away? Because I thought that uh, the guy or girl could defend themselves. Oh, I was saying more like, okay, yeah, I am pretty weak. He's like, if I don't kill them on a single uh, shot, you know, he's like, I'm not going to be able to do anything. So then, after I'd watched it, I read the New York Times review, and I sent you that paragraph, and I was like, this does not describe the movie I just saw. So I went back and rewatched it. Um, but what the, part? The thing is that... Um, she was initially looking for medical help for her partner. And yeah. that's why, and then eventually she, she switched from wanting medical help to wanting Susan Sarandon. And I never yeah. saw that. I saw that she, she was never interested in, in getting him help. She saw her next lover. And that's why she, that's what confused me so much in the New York times, because the movie I saw, she was just getting ready to dump him and she found someone else she wanted. Mm. I mean, I have to say that at the beginning, when she goes to see her, like randomly ran into her, I think that it's a bit more a fortuit situation, you know, on the uh, book signature event at the library, or the bookshop, sorry. I think that at that point, it's very fortuit and makes me think that she's really looking for some kind of help for him. See, I get it, but there's this moment where she's staring at Susan Sarandon on the television and she has this, there's a zoom in on her face and clearly she's thinking something. And then when she goes to the book signing, she says absolutely nothing and clearly put her under her spell. She was never looking for medical advice from Susan Sarandon. Mm -hmm. She was seducing her. Mm -hmm. so and that's I the have, only thing that I didn't yeah, understand. No, I, I could buy into that. You know, at the beginning I, I actually bought it, you know, when I was watching it, like I thought that she was looking for the help. But it's like I already knew that she was going to be like just hunting her down. But I have a question for you. So, could you say that Susan Sarandon is a good actress? Um, in this performance or just in general? In general, on her career. In general, I think she's a slightly above average actress. Gotcha. What would you say that is her best? her best at movies? Well, I can't name any of her movies except for The Hunger and Stepmom. Okay. I mean, I was thinking about Thelma Lewis and Rocky Horror Picture Show, but it's like Rocky Horror Picture Show is not a good acting. I haven't say. seen either of those movies. Oh, you never watched Thelma Lewis? Mm -mm. But you like Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt is in Thelma Lewis? Yeah, of course. I'll watch it tonight. So she was <laughs> very, very good in Dead Man Walking. Yeah. She, I can't remember how she was in Boulder Room. That I would say is probably her best. And didn't she win an Oscar for that, Dead Man Walking? Or at least a nomination? Yeah, Dead Man Walking. Yeah, I think that's she won there. I mean, but she it's... was great in Rick and Morty. Oh, she was there? <laughs> Apparently, according to her IMDb page, two episodes. All right. But the thing is, like, when I was checking her career today, it's like everyone knows Susan Sarandon. But at the same time, I was checking all her movies. Like, there is there is nothing that I would say is that this was amazing. I think she was just very mainstream and popular in the 80s and 90s. Mm. I'm guessing. 
you know she owns that ping pong club uh, over on Spin? yeah 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 it's actually yeah. pretty fun we went i think on oh, the opening and they oh, had cool. like all these people dressed insane on roller skates and doing amazing ping pong anyway Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I think that Seiko owns it with a Sean Tech billionaire from this area. She, she and that guy? Yeah, I think. I think that she became like just partners with that, you know. And it's like I was reading actually some interviews with her. Is when I actually read the, uh, the interview of all I see didn't like the ending on this movie. That is like they felt like, oh, you know, this watered down the result. And for me, it's like, look, it doesn't matter. I could remove this part, these 30 seconds, oh, yeah. and the movie just end when Catherine Deneuve just fall through the stairs. I said, it couldn't have changed my opinion on this movie. Yeah, I was done by that time. It really didn't matter to me how they wrapped this piece of shit up. It was still a piece of shit. <laughs> okay, so should we score this piece of shit? <laughs> <laughs> oh, shoot. Okay. So I think that is my turn for the score this first. I'm going to give it a three. Oh, I was going to give it a 3.5, and that probably has to do with my biases about Tony Scott and Catherine Deneuve. Okay, no, that, that's completely fair. But honestly, it's like when I started, the thing is I had the feeling that the movie starts okay. But it's like a, as more as the movie progresses, and it, and it needs to actually just build some kind of a story, some kind of narrative, it's like it falls apart. It's like, no, we, we cannot make this. It left sure. me wanting in every area. There wasn't enough style to compensate me for not enough story, not enough interesting characters, no character. Oh, anyway, we could complain yeah. about this for a long time. <laughs> Super disappointment. I thought, who the hell wants to remake this movie with Jennifer Lawrence? Uh, probably no one. There's Maybe no Jim one. Jarmusch. <laughs> He's like, let's remake Only Lovers Left Alive. He, he already did that with Only Lovers Left Alive, but he did a better version. I think <laughs> that that movie is good. I agree with you that it has like a bit more of a, how do you say, uh, style. And a it's like, I, more style. And I think that recording uh, a decrepit vampire love story in Detroit is genius. I'm going to watch it tonight, I think. No, I think that is a really good movie. I listened to that soundtrack for like a year, and it's a weird soundtrack. A weird <laughs> soundtrack. Oh, yeah, I just saw the, uh, the new, yeah. The Hunger remake in the Wars with Jennifer Lawrence and Anya Taylor-Joy. That's the other female interest, Anya Taylor-Joy? It is the kid. I mean, it's going to seem because they're eyeing both of them. I really, oh, I love Anya Taylor-Joy. I love her. Um... She's American-born, English-Argentine actress, supposedly, mm -hmm. according yeah. to Wikipedia. The girl from Emma and the witch. I would really love it if um, Darren Aronofsky directed this. I, I feel like <laughs> if, you, if you brought Michelle Pfeiffer in... <laughs> I promise you, if he directs it, I would never watch it. I'm done with Aronofsky. <laughs> Jose will never forgive me for literally no, for taking water. him to the movie theater to be, see both Let's Be Cops and the mother, mother exclamation point. Yep, on his opening night at 9 p.m. I'm really to be surprised. Fair, I also took you to Nymphomaniac. So, I mean, it's, you know. <laughs> You're welcome. There were some good ones, some bad ones. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm sorry. No. I mean, it's funny because actually Aronofsky, the last movie that he did, he was Mother on 2017. Yeah, because it ended her career and his after that. <laughs> yeah, basically, man. It's like something to learn for future generations. is they don't depict people eating a baby on the screen. Even if you're Javier Bardem, no good can come of this. Yeah, yeah. That may be too risky. So... I don't know. I mean, I don't think that no one could ever do a remake of that, but let's see. I would love to see a remake that's super stylish with cool actors, just someone that's not as lame as David Bowie. Sure, but it's like, I mean, I think that is exactly what, uh, what, uh, what is his name, uh, Jarmus was thinking. Is that I'm going to be like getting the female version of David Bowie. I'm going to be like getting Tilda Swinton. They should just cast Tilda Swinton and Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's true and, that and, uh, uh, Mia Wasikowska was in that and she was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. was that um, that guy who died, unfortunately. John Hart? No, the Yeltsin. Uh, Yeltsin? Anton Yeltsin? Anton Yeltsin. Uh, Yeltsin. Oh, he died. Yeltsin. Wow. Yeah. Oh, he died. Oh, it I remember. A, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, I completely forgot about him. Um, yeah, but it's like I had the feeling when I watched Only Lovers Left Alive, it's like I remember about The Hunger. And at that point, I remember that The Hunger was mediocre. But it's like I just still missing some kind of substance on Only Lovers Left Alive. But what, at least the style is there. What is the, how would you rate on our scale of one to 10, a very original scale? How would you rate Only Lovers Left Alive? I know it's been a long time since you've seen it. It has been a really long time, man. It's like this movie has seven years now. It's from 2013. I mean, the way I remember it, I would definitely give it a solid 7.5. I think that it would be like a 5.56 to me. You know, because like, I know that you appreciate way more the style over substance. For me, I guess to a point that it's like, okay, that was good, but it's like, I'm never going to be like watching this again. Yeah, for me, Jim Jarmusch plus, Tilda Swinton plus, Tom Hiddleston, two pluses. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, look, I would be more interested, from this point, I can tell you, I would be like way more interested in rewatching Only Lovers Left Alive than The Hunger. I can live the rest of my life without watching The Hunger. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I never, I would never recommend this film. I would, did not enjoy it. So, what are we watching? Do you know? Yeah, I know. So, we are watching an opportunity for redeeming David Bowie acting career. Oh, Jesus Christ. I hate yeah, that. I know. I know you do, but I have to pay you back for this. <laughs> so, we're watching The Man Who Fell to Earth. Um, I don't know this movie. I mean, I've heard of it. Yeah, I heard of it, and someone told me uh, a couple of months ago that it is okay. Actually, the Metacritic score and the Rotten Tomatoes score promises significantly more with the hand compared with the hunger. All right, that's fine. Um, and it should be on Prime Video. So it's two and a half hours. So yeah, it's your type of movie. It's two hours and twenty minutes. Thank you very much. Two hours and twenty-eight. No, two hours and nineteen minutes on Prime Video. <laughs> I'm oh. just looking at it. This is Google says two twenty eight. Just open. Okay, yeah. In any case, uh, directed so by Nicholas Frey. What? Interestingly, the New York Times said it was very um, 
appreciative of his performance and said that with every film presence, he's becoming more and more interesting. And I didn't know he was ever respected as an actor. So I think that, I don't know. I mean, I think that he's not the wrong cast for that character, but that character is untranscendable, like everything else in that movie. Is like after the first 30 minutes that like you don't care about the character. You don't even think it's like, oh, is David Bowie gone? I don't want to keep watching this. Is that no, the movie is the same shit that it was at the beginning. Nothing has changed. It hasn't become better or worse. Was he considered a beautiful person? He was considered a really person. Because the New York Times review, I was really trying to figure out the 80s man because he looked like he was 100 years old. Catherine Deneuve also looked like basically my mom does now, who's 55. Um, and it's, I was like, did people age differently? But the New York Times Ladies. said, this is a world of beautiful people. And I was surprised because that doesn't come off anymore to me. David Bowie is not somebody I would put in a world where everyone is supposed to be extremely beautiful and sensual. And He was, he was androgynous, you know, at that point. He was something that was a bit, it's like a tilde, you know. You saw like the uh, photo shoot that they did, both of them together, yeah. with a no. yeah, with a they actually were dressing like each other. Oh, I think I remember this. Yeah, so uh, I think that uh, is the time, the time of where this was shot. Is like uh, David Bowie felt like a bit more of an androgynous beauty, and Catherine Deneuve is presented as a bisexual vampire. So is that the perfect lover for her? So I don't say this because I want to call out, I don't find him to be a beautiful person. I, I find this question extremely interesting, the shifting beauty paradigms and cultural things that are culturally relevant are lost to me. And so I can't immediately, like today, oh, this person is supposed to be like a bitchy millennial, but beautiful and dumb, you know, like things I pick up now immediately. I can't pick up from movies like The Hunger because uh, to me, those things don't come across. So I always like to check with people who were alive at the time, like much older than me, like you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Yes, it's a case. <laughs> Are you allowed with 20 years old to drink whey polo? No, but my husband's of age, so he can. <laughs> <laughs> he can just buy you. <laughs> uh, also, no, I'm an AARP member, so. Oh, okay. So I just think that uh, David Bowie is a bit more of an iconic character. So sometimes he's a bit more of a giving that he's a handsome person or a pretty person, you know? But I never really consider him like too I thought beautiful. at least I would get to see his bulge in spandex, but I didn't nope. even get that. No, nope. no. Nope. So is that basically like Mick Jagger probably in performance that he's also a very androgynous character? Well, hopefully next week's film is better. Hopefully, yeah. Because I pick it. <laughs> okay, man. Anything else to discuss about uh, The Hunger? Let's just pretend this never happened. I'm sorry. It is. <laughs> it is the same way that the uh, greatest show on Earth happened. Did you find this more or less infuriated than The Greatest Show on Earth? Oh, I would watch The Hunger five times in a row <laughs> before I watched. If I had to watch one more second of that circus. <laughs> okay, man. Okay, you don't like I the might, circus. As I might have looted Saks Fifth Avenue again. Okay, that's your goal. Okay, man. Well, this was great.
Talk to you next time. Wash your hands. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.